You are listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and I'm also the leader of the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe, who's one of the editors of the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for being with us today. Hi, Dwayne. It's good to be here. We're going to be looking at session 13, which will conclude our study of Luke. We've been looking at Luke now for six months. So uh, this is the last study uh, in, our, in our walk through Luke. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49, where Jesus empowers his disciples and commissions them as well to proclaim the gospel. Uh, in verses 36 through 43, uh, Jesus appears to his followers and he startles them by doing so. He assured them and addressed their doubts by inviting them to touch him and examine his hands and feet. Jesus then sits down and eats broiled fish with them. We've entitled this particular section in the outline, Assures. And the main point here is that believers can be assured of Jesus' physical resurrection. Verses 44 through 46, we find Jesus opening the minds of his followers so that they could understand the truths about him that he had emphasized before his crucifixion and resurrection. He particularly emphasized that he would die, yet would be resurrected after three days. We've entitled verses 44 through 46 as opens with the main idea that believers can know that God has an eternal plan to redeem his creation. In verses 47 through 49, Jesus continues by reminding his followers that repentance through him would be proclaimed to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. He then commissioned them as his witnesses, and he directed them to remain in Jerusalem in anticipation of the Holy Spirit empowering them. We've entitled verses 47 through 49, Sins, and the main point here is that believers are sent to tell all people about the forgiveness found in Jesus. David, let's begin with this question. Why is it important for us to understand Jesus' resurrection in terms of a physical action and not simply a spiritual action? Let me say, first of all, that it's important enough, obviously, that Jesus chose to demonstrate this fact, this reality, uh, that is the nature of his resurrected body, to his disciples. Uh, This was the first... This isn't the first uh, appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. It is not. Uh, In fact, just in Luke's gospel, uh, just before this, he appears to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I'll speak about that in just a moment in connection with this. But uh, I think there are some things to notice here. First of all, in verse 36, Jesus simply appears in the room where the disciples are gathered. And we learned a little bit more about this uh, in John 20, 26, because uh, this makes the feature even more vivid because uh, that verse says in John 20, 26, even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. You you can picture this in your mind that, okay, the the disciples are gathered there, the doors are locked, uh, 
and Jesus just all of a sudden appears. So you can kind of understand why <laughs> they thought they were seeing a ghost, a spirit. But then you have verse 39, where at the same time Jesus said, look at me. You can see me, right? And then he said, touch my hands and feet. And this is where as well, he, he turns to John 20, 27, tells us that he, he turns to Thomas and said, Thomas, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Well, not just touching his hands or feet, but he wants Thomas to feel the scar of that spear thrust that uh, went into Jesus's side. So he'd be able to, to feel the, the solid uh, nature of his resurrected body, but he would also be able to feel that scar that Thomas knew was there, uh, not only in his hands and feet, but in his side. And, uh, and so then Jesus just <laughs> comes out and says, well, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. So, you know, your, your eyes are not deceiving you here. You're seeing not a ghost. You're not seeing a vision. Uh, you are seeing me in my resurrected body. And then Jesus takes it one more step when he says in verses 41 to 43, you have something to eat. They give him a piece of broiled fish and he eats that fish in their presence. So there's <clears throat> not just symbolism there of, of the eating together with them, but the idea that a ghost, a spirit, a vision is not going to eat something physical that's there in the room. Uh, so you have Jesus then knowing that he needed to do this and he chose to demonstrate uh, the nature of his resurrection body. But you know, it's interesting to me uh, as I thought about this, this whole idea, because it is still a bit of a mystery to us that Jesus could just appear in a room and yet he was saying, you know, uh, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you can see. But when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 in particular, they, they were asking this, this very question of Paul, saying, you know, what about the resurrection body? What's it like? In fact, in verse chapter 15, verse 35 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says he, he anticipates the question someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? And that's when Paul writes then uh, in verses 50 to 54 uh, of 1 Corinthians 15, this, this answer, this response. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood, that is the, the fallen flesh and blood, the, the, just the, the physical nature of the sinful flesh and blood of our current present life cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption, the sinful nature, inherit incorruption. So he goes on, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, meaning die, we won't all die, but we will all be changed. For this corruptible body, this flesh and blood body that has the sinful nature to it, must be clothed with incorruptibility. This mortal body must be clothed with immortality. And so when this happens through our resurrection in Christ, 
a saying that is written will take place. Death's been swallowed up in victory. So what, what happened to Jesus, Jesus's body that he presented himself in to those disciples in the room was his resurrection body. It was his glorified body. Now that's, that's what we're going to have as, as believers when we die, as Paul writes there, when we die, we're going to still have a body. It'll be a bodily resurrection, but it will be a glorified body, a body that is not limited by sin, a body that's not limited by pain, by sorrow, any of those things, but it will be a body. A, so Jesus a was giving them a, a glimpse of what they have ahead of them. That's right. And, and us too. Yeah. So praise the Lord for that. In verses 44 through 46, we see Jesus uh, pointing to them or sharing with them that he had told them about the crucifixion and the resurrection prior to the events happening. How does he demonstrate confidence in the scripture as authoritative by how he shares with them here in verses 44 through 46? Well, this is where I want to point back again to, to those two followers uh, on the road to Emmaus, because the, the, the way Luke writes this is so similar in both instances. And in that instance, you know, the two, uh, the two disciples were on their way to Emmaus, and Jesus comes up to them, and they don't recognize him at first, and he's asking what they're talking about and, and discussing and arguing about, and they say to him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem that doesn't know the events that have happened and uh, Jesus and uh, the Messiah and the, and the crucifixion? And, uh, and yet, you know, some people are talking about a resurrection or at least talking about that they went to the grave and uh, the tomb and did not find his body. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know. And so that's where uh, to those two. Uh, Jesus began uh, to, at the at the beginning in, in the law and, and began to help them understand the scriptures. So later on, the uh, the two when, when Jesus had left them, the the two disciples looked at one another and said, "You know, what, weren't our hearts burning when he was talking to us about the scriptures?" And so here again, now he's got the disciples together. And he has appeared to them, and he has said to them, you know, it's me. Touch, touch my hands, touch my feet. Thomas, reach your hand in here. Touch my side. See the scar there from the spear. And do you have something to eat? Let's, let's eat something together. And so he demonstrates to them the, the bodily resurrection that they have, that uh, resurrect what the resurrected body will be like. But he begins then to show them in the scriptures, just as he did with the two, the, the, from the law, from the prophets, from the Psalms, uh, all of these contain prophetic foreshadowings that were all fulfilled in Jesus. So it under, underscored for the disciples something that would be absolutely essential for them after Jesus ascended, and that is they were going to need to rely uh, on the scriptures, on the word of God, 
And in fact, indeed, the, the New Testament itself then would uh, come to be incorporated into God's Word, into the Scriptures, and accepted as the uh, church's body of, uh, of God's Word that will help them as they uh, explain and uh, share the gospel throughout the world. David, we've been, we, you know, you mentioned this, that Thomas specifically was invited by Jesus to, to, to touch the side and look in the hands and the feet. Uh, we know from other passages that Thomas had made the statement, I won't believe it unless I see it for myself. How does the testimony of scripture and personal experience, how do they work together? Well, maybe the best way to answer that is to look at a biblical example. <clears throat> so consider, first of all, the women who were the first to discover Jesus's tomb was empty. That early Sunday morning, before, the day, before daylight, they, they go to the tomb, they discover the stone has been rolled away, they don't know what to think, and they discover that Jesus's body is no longer in the tomb, it's empty. They were not expecting it to be empty. They were not looking for that. They had come to anoint the body, but it wasn't there. And that, that's when the gospel tells us that they experienced a visitation of two angels, men in dazzling clothes. And what did those angels do? Reminded them of what Jesus had taught them. And what had Jesus taught them? <laughs> he had taught them that he would be betrayed. And of course, they knew that it happened. It taught them that he would be crucified. And they obviously knew that it happened. And taught them that, they, that he would rise again on the third day. They had not remembered that to this point. But when the angels reminded the women of this, they remembered. So what did the women then do? They rushed back into the city because they'd been told to tell the disciples about their experience. And so they do that. They rush back and they say the tomb was empty. But these two angels, these men in dazzling clothes there, they tell us uh, that this is what Jesus taught us would happen. Well, how did the disciples respond? They thought the women were talking nonsense. They didn't believe them. And we're told that Peter made a quick trip. He rushed and, and John followed him as well uh, to the tomb and saw that it was empty. But still, even Peter seeing it, it, the tomb empty, it, it still wasn't dawning on them what the scriptures had been saying about all of those things, not just the, the uh, betrayal and the crucifixion, but also the resurrection. All of that was, had been spoken of in the Old Testament, and it had come to pass. And then you got those two followers on the road to Emmaus, and then later to the disciples, as we were looking at in this passage. In both of those cases, Jesus took the, those Old Testament scriptures, and he used them to validate that what the women and then Peter and other disciples were experiencing was true. So in, in terms of how the testimony of scripture and personal experience work together, I, I think this is important to nail down. We, 
we always want to validate our personal spiritual experiences with what the scripture teaches. And this is especially important when we think about witnessing, because my personal testimony of my salvation, that's a powerful and, and can be very persuasive, uh, but it needs to be validated with the truth of God's word. In other words, my experience uh, needs to be validated by this is what God's word says happens and is the truth. Because uh, it, it, that removes the subjective nature of our, exactly. of our testimonies out of the equation. And so we need both. We need both the subjective and the objective with scripture being the objective part of that. That's, that's right. Mm -hmm. One thing that may help us when we're teaching this uh, is pack item 13. We've already used it on Easter Sunday. We used it last week as well, but it's, it's the, the handout about the proof of the resurrection. There's 13 different bullet points listed. Uh, bullet point number 11 simply says the character of Jesus and his claims that he would rise again. That's one of the evidences that's noted. We may want to help our group think more about that because those, those claims are based on scripture, based on Old Testament prophecies. And that's one of the things that's not included uh, necessarily in this list of, of, of evidences is the way that the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. So we may want to add that to our list when we're teaching this, this Sunday. Uh, David, any other insights or things you would share from Luke 24? Well, this is not the Easter lesson, but uh, you know, around Easter time, I know our church always sings the song, the hymn, He Lives. And uh, that, I love that hymn because it, it asks the question at the end, you, you ask me how I know he lives. And the answer is he lives within my heart. Well, that's personal experience, but that's not the only testimony that we have. We have the testimony of scripture. In fact, it is the, uh, the authoritative testimony of scripture that is dependable in every situation and is dependable in this, uh, when, when it talks about the proof of the resurrection. It's, it's not just because I, I say uh, Jesus is living in my heart, it's because the scripture says he's alive. He is alive. He, he demonstrated, he showed himself to his followers and, and said, you know, touch my hands, touch my feet, uh, put your hand in my side. And uh, so it was, it was proof positive uh, in the scripture that he was raised from the dead and that resurrection, as Paul then teaches us, that resurrection is what we have awaiting us because we are, uh, we are his followers, because we believe in him, trust in him, we shall be raised. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, one more thing I would remind our, our listeners about too is earlier in this, this, uh, this quarter, uh, session two, if I remember right, we were looking at the celebration of people who accepted Christ. And the conclusion of that, we were asked to uh, write names of people who we wanted to see accept Christ. We look forward to celebrating their salvation. This particular lesson, 
as we finish up our study of Luke, would really, it'd be helpful for us to, rem to remind people of the names that we've uh, included on that list. The idea was to pray for them throughout this quarter. Now here we are at the end of the study, and we're being told that part of our responsibility as believers is to share with other people about Christ. We've been praying for these people on our list for 12 weeks now. A way to, to challenge our folks in our group is for them to now think about the opportunities they have, not just to pray for those folks, but to share with them about what we've been studying. We've studied the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for several weeks. Surely by now we'd be able to share with them about what Christ has done for us. David, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate uh, the opportunity uh, to learn from you during this time. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccray at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. If I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who can answer your question and we will go from there. Once again, thank you for listening to us today, being a part of this. Next week, we start a whole new study. We've been studying Luke now for uh, six months. We're gonna be going back to the Old Testament, be looking at Job and Ecclesiastes during the summer, and hope you'll join us next week when we start that study.